I want to speak to you today from the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. If you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, I'd like to read from verse number 8. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. I, I have a lot of things that I believe the Lord began to show me from this uh, chapter and these verses that we are going to read. And I was uh, reading these yesterday and I began to take note. And I'd like to share these things with you. How I many of you understand it's important that we give to God's people what God has given to us? Correct? Good. Second Kings chapter 4 verse number 8. Have you found it? Now it happened one day. I won't say one day. That Elisha went to Shunem. I won't say Shunem. Where there was a notable woman. I won't say notable woman. Or you can also say influential. I won't say influential. The word notable is the same as influential. This woman was notable or she was influential. What does it mean to be notable? What does it mean to be influential? It means you are very popular. It means everyone in town know you. You are so popular. And there is nothing wrong in being notable. Nothing wrong in being influential. The Bible, if you study the, the relationship between God and Abraham, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I will make your name great. That's what it means. To be notable, to be influential. God can make your name great. God can make your name notable. God can make you influential. And God wants to do it. If God promised that to Abraham, then I believe that is our portion today. But you've got to let the Lord do it. You can make yourself influential or you can let God make you influential. I want God to make me influential. And there is something about influence. When God gives you influence, it begins to impact the lives of people around you positively. You've got to let God make your name notable. You've got to let God give you influence. And God will give you influence to where it begins to impact the lives of people. And I truly believe that when this influence comes upon you, it will begin to impact those that are closest to you first. Are you listening to me? Now, it's unfortunate some people think they have influence with people outside, but they have no influence with people inside. I do not believe that you have influence with people outside if you don't have influence with people closest to you. Because it is those that are closest to you that know you best. Can, can someone say amen? amen? So God wants to give you influence with those closest to you. But God also wants to give you influence with those that are far from you. So that when your name is mentioned, the glory of God is revealed. I said when your name is mentioned, the glory of God is revealed. Amen. The Bible says a good name must be chosen rather than gold and silver. There's something about a good name that is more important than all the wealth of the world. That is the reason why some people, when they leave a place, everyone cries. Why? Because of the positive influence they have over the place. But some people, when they leave a place, everyone rejoices. In actual fact, everyone wants them to leave because they are troublemakers. The influence that God wants to put upon you is such that will impact people for good. It's such that will impact people to the glory of God. God wants to put a positive influence over your life. And there are some things we do to influence people positively. Can someone say praise God? You see the life of a Christian is an example. The life of a Christian is to display the glory of the one who has called you out of darkness into light. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A set aside people. Called forth. Out of darkness into light. That you might show forth the glory. Of him that has brought you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. 
Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your light needs to shine. We live in such a time where Christians need to realize that if we fail to shine, darkness will prevail. There is so much darkness in the world today. Our light needs to shine. This is not a time to dim your light. This is not a time to hide your light. This is a time to shine brighter. This is a time to let people around you and people all over the world know, even your social media friends, know that you are a child of God. You cannot hide your testimony today. You need to speak for Jesus said, what I told you in secret, you must declare on the mountaintop. In other words, let people know that you are a child of God. Don't hide your faith. Don't hide your Christianity. Don't hide your testimony. Tell it forth. Let everyone know. Let them know that you are a child of God. Let them know you live to the glory of God. And I'm telling you, people may not like it, but it is not what they like. It is what they need to hear. Can someone say amen? amen? So the Bible talks about this woman who was notable or influential. And I pray in Jesus' name that God will give you a name. Amen. That amen is so weak. I say God will give you a name. Amen. Praise God. So the Bible says, we keep reading where there was a notable influential woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. Everyone says some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know, or you can say, I perceive. She said, I know. Everyone say, I know. I know. Say, I perceive. I perceive. She said, I know, or you can say, I perceive that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please. Let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lamp. And it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and lay down there. Verse number 12, then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, sorry, and he said, yeah, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. In other words, I am okay. Everyone say, I am okay. So he said, what then is there to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. She has no son. And her husband is old. That's a problem. When you want a son... But you have a very old husband. That's a big problem. I won't say that's a problem. You see, the Bible spells out the problem this woman had. She had no son, but her husband is old. There is no way out of this problem if God does not step in. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Can someone say praise the Lord? I want to speak to you on experiencing the unexpected. Amen. You notice this woman was rich. She was very rich and influential. 
Yet she had a major deficit in her life. See, there are things that your money cannot buy. There are things your influence cannot bring. If God does not step in, there is nothing anybody can do about it. You know, it's interesting that people look at you and they think all is well. The way you look, the way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, people think it is all right. You look like you've got it all. That is how it is in life many times. But what they don't understand is there is this one thing that you wish you had. You've done everything you know to do. You've, you've prayed. You've done everything you, you, you think you can do. But it still hasn't happened. There is this one thing. And it just appears to me as if God will let you be in a position where you will have to believe God. If you understand what I'm saying. It just seems to me as if you wouldn't have it all. Even though the Bible says we are complete in him. It just seems to me as if God will allow you stay at a place where at every point in time you will have to use your faith. Because the moment you stop using your faith then there is no need for you to live on earth. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now this woman looked in the natural as if everything was fine. People looked at her and people thought to themselves, my, this woman has got everything going for her. But appearance can be deceiving. She was rich. People would desire her life. She was influential. People would desire the influence that was upon her life. But there was something still missing in this woman's life. That is one of the observations that I saw as I was reading this place yesterday. And that is the case with some people. And you might be sitting here this morning and you might be like this woman. And you may not have influence like she did. You may not have wealth like she did. But you have other things going for you. And when people look at you in the natural, they'll think everything is fine. But you know, they would... Not understand that there is still something you are believing for. They will not understand that there is still something you are struggling with. Until they get to talk to you one on one. The second observation that I see in this story. Is she, this woman, was not the only one living in the neighborhood. I truly believe that there were other influential Wealthy people, because you see, when you have influence and wealth, you live in the best part of town. Is that correct? She was an influential woman. She was a wealthy woman. And she must be living in the good part of town. And I'm sure there were other men and women living in the same part of town where she lived. I guarantee she was not living in the slums. She was not living in TBS. She was living in Bebek. Can someone say amen? amen? She was living in, the, in one of the best places in town. She was not living in this shack. She was living in a very wealthy house, palatial. But I am so sure that in this neighborhood, there must be other men and women as wealthy or more wealthy than she was. But notice something. This woman was the only one who had spiritual perception that Elisha was a man of God. Mm, that's what I'm trying to say. You see, Elisha, the man of God, would pass by this neighborhood. No one understood what God had placed upon Elisha but this woman. You see, a lot of people don't have spiritual perception. They don't understand the times and the seasons that we are living in. They don't understand what is going on globally. They don't understand what is happening in the nations of the world. And they tend to judge everything based on the natural. No, we are spiritual men and women. We must judge everything based on what God is showing us. And if God is not showing you anything, then you need to cry to God and ask him what is going on. And the Lord will open your eyes to see what is going on so that you will have spiritual perception of the circumstances of life. We are not those who judge based on the natural. The Bible says the spiritual man can judge or discern all things, but he cannot be judged. It's important that we are spiritual in these last days so that we can perceive 
what God is saying and we can understand what is going on around us. Can someone say amen? amen. So this woman was the only one who had spiritual perception. Everyone say spiritual perception. You see, everyone else saw Elisha as a regular man. Is that correct? When Elijah passed by, they thought he was a regular man. And that is the reason why they did not initiate anything. And I've come to understand that if you do not respect and honor an anointing, you cannot draw from it. If you think that person is regular, if you think that person is just normal, then you will not see that which God has placed upon his life. And if you don't see what God has placed upon his life, obviously you cannot draw from it. So we can also deduce that everyone in that neighborhood could have drawn from what God placed upon Elisha. Everyone in that neighborhood could have been blessed. Everyone in that neighborhood could have been impacted. Is that correct? But no, they were not. Just this woman. She was the only one who had spiritual perception that there was something different about this man. Everyone said there's something different about this man. Community, there's something different about this man. See, the anointing you recognize is the anointing that will bless you. The anointing you recognize and honor is the anointing that will bless you. The anointing you draw from because you have a spiritual understanding of it is the anointing that will bless you. It is possible to even stay in a ministry and not understand and recognize and honor the anointing upon the servant of God that God has sent to you. One thing I've also realized is it seems to me if outsiders tend to draw more from the anointing of the man that God has given to you. No wonder Jesus, when he came to Nazareth, the Bible says in Nazareth, he could not do mighty works. But he was doing mighty works in other places. But when he came to Nazareth, among his own family, amongst his own people, the Bible says he couldn't do mighty works in Nazareth. Do you know why? Because they were familiar with him. They said, is this not the carpenter? Is this not the son of Mary? Are his brothers and sisters not with us? What is so special about him? How dare he come around and call himself the anointed? They could not see the anointing upon Jesus. They saw him as a carpenter. They saw him as an ordinary man. But Jesus was going all over the place, setting the captives free, healing the sick, raising the dead, performing miracles. But he came to his own place and his own people could not receive him. You've got to be very careful. I want to say this. That's why Jesus said, a prophet is without honor in his own place, amongst his own people. See, the danger is when you become too familiar with the anointing that God has sent to you. And when you become too familiar with the anointing God has sent to you, you tend not to draw from it anymore. The same message that blessed you five years ago does not bless you again. Why? Because you become used to it. Someone, I heard someone say, why, is this, why do they always preach on giving? You become too familiar with it. But there are places you go to and people are craving for this. People will pay whatever they have to get this. But for those of you who have become so familiar with it, you no more draw from it. I hear people say that song again. We sang that last month. We've been singing that for the last five years. Listen, if the hand of God is upon that song, it does not lose its power. If the hand of God is upon that message, it does not lose its power. Why? Because what makes the difference is the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon that message, upon that song. Not the fact that you heard it before. You see, we get used to things and we despise them. That is a danger. I want to 
ask you not to fall into that danger. Everyone says spiritual perception. It is very important that we are able to perceive that this is of God. And if it is of God, it's always fresh. Come on now, say amen. amen. I said, if it, is of, if it is of God, it is always fresh. Amen. You see, I heard Reinhard Bonnke. He said this, the sun is old, but the sun never gets tired. You see how old the sun is. But you don't ever wake up one day and the sun say, I'm, I've been shining for 6,000 years, I will not shine again. Hello? I said, hello. So the danger of having an anointed minister in your family is the disregard you show to him due to familiarity. And this is, this is our church family. This is our church family. The other thing I see in the story here is this woman initiated the act of giving. Notice, Elisha was just minding his business. See, God was going to provide for Elisha. Did you hear me? I said, God was going to provide for Elisha one way or another. Because you see, when God sends you on a mission, God provides for that mission. See, Elisha did not just wake up one morning and thought to himself, I will pass by this neighborhood. Elijah was heading to a mission. There was something that God had told Elisha to do. And if God had told Elisha to do it, God was going to provide for his men. Thank you for amen in this section. You guys in the back are not excited about it, but it's okay. God was going to provide for Elisha. I have good news for you. If God sends you on a mission, God will provide for that mission. And listen, it does not matter where God sends you to. What you need to be concerned about is this. Is it God that's sending me? If God is the one sending you on this mission, God will provide for that mission. Ah, your amen is very weak. Uh, uh, You know the reason why some cannot say amen is because God has not sent them on anything. So when God sends you on a mission, there is an excitement in your soul. When God sends you on a mission, there is faith in your heart. You know beyond a shadow of any doubt that God is going to provide. When God leads you, God will provide for you. When God orders for something, God will pay for it. Whatever it is that God has assigned for your life, can I guarantee you this morning, based upon the word of God, that God is going to make sure the provision comes. And God will be the one to pull the people in that will bring the provision to you. And if people are stubborn and they refuse to obey the leading and the dictates of the Holy Spirit, guess what? God has many, many other ways to bring provision your way. So our God is El Shaddai. Can someone say amen? I said our God is El Shaddai. I said our God is El Shaddai. I said our God is El Shaddai. When he sends you on a mission, he'll provide for you. Even if he sends you to the driest place in the world. The Sahara Desert is one of the driest places in the world. And if God sends you to the Sahara Desert, right there in the desert, God will build an oasis. I'm preaching faith here this morning. As if God sends you even to the Sahara Desert, God will build an oasis in the Sahara Desert. What you need to concern yourself about is the question, who is sending me? That's, what, that's just what you need to concern yourself about. Once you are able to answer the question, who is sending me? Then you have no reason to worry. Because whatever God tells you to do, God will provide for. Amen. Praise God. If God puts a business on your heart, God will provide for that business. If God puts a business in your hand, God will provide for that business. 
If God tells you to marry a wife, God will provide for you to marry that. Hey, glory to God. God will provide for you not just to marry that girl. God will also provide for you to take care of that girl. Can someone shout praise the Lord? Maybe I just have to help some young men here. Listen, I am a big believer in you, the man taking care of the girl. I am a big believer in you, the man taking care of the wife. Come on now, say amen. I know we live in such a time where men and women go, all go to work. But I believe it is the responsibility of the man to take care of the woman. Is a respons- uh, women are getting excited in this place this morning. It is the responsibility of the husband to take care of his wife. Come on now, if you're a husband, shout hallelujah. Come on now, say praise the Lord. You need to get excited here this morning. Yeah, it is your risk. Listen, I'm telling you, it is the responsibility of the husband to take care of the man. Of the, not the man. Sorry. No, the, the husband don't take care of the man because we don't believe in that. The husband takes care of the wife. And if God has told you to do it, do it. And God will take care of it. Some young men are so afraid to marry because they want to get everything together. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you don't get everything together. But the Bible says he that finds a wife, find that a good thing. And that person obtains favor. You see, when the, when the girl comes, when the wife comes, she comes with favor. Oh my God, your amen is very weak in this house this, this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know people are going to get excited on that one. Amen. When God says do it, do it. Tell someone, do it. Do it. If God says, do it, do it. If God says, start the business, start the business. If God says, go to that city, go to that city. If God says, go to that nation, go to that nation. If God says, marry that man, marry that woman, marry that woman. If God tells you, girls, marry that man, marry that man. If God says, start this, whatever God tells you to do. If God says, go to university, go to university. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. The, the resources will come. The provision will come. For when God orders for something, God will pay for it. Can someone give him praise and glory? Put those hands together and praise the Lord in the house this morning. Hallelujah. So Elisha was just passing through town. But he was a man on a mission. He was a man with a heavenly mandate upon his life. Just passing through. But confident in God who sent him. And God will take care of his man. But praise God for this influential woman. Praise God for this wealthy woman. Praise God for this Shunammite. She chose to get on board. And notice what she did. This woman initiated the act of giving. And I truly believe as I was reading the story yesterday. I could see that this woman was not giving hoping to be blessed. Because notice she was wealthy already. I don't think that somewhere in her mind. She thought to herself. If I give to this prophet. I will have a son. In actual fact, she had given up on having a son. She was not even thinking about having a son. Can I tell you, there is something you, must have, you may have given up on. But if it is of God, I pray in the name of Jesus that it will come alive again. I pray in, if the vision, you've given up on it. You've given up on that thing that God told you. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 25 years ago. And you say, look, I don't think it will happen. Can I tell you, the Spirit of God is going to breathe upon it again. The hand of God is going to come upon it again. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be an awakening upon that thing that God 
told you many, many years ago that you have given up on is going to come back to life. It's going to breathe again. It's going to leave again. And I believe this woman gave up on having a son. The Bible says that she was barren and her husband was old. She could look at the natural and understand that this is not possible. But when God comes into the equation, the impossibility becomes possible. That which men say cannot happen, God says it can happen. When men say there is a bringing down, God says no, there is a lifting up. When men say the door cannot be opened ever again, God says I can open and no man can shut. Can someone shout praise the Lord? Are you ready for something great to happen again in your life? It's time. It's time. I said it's time. But I, I read the story and I could see that this woman was not hoping to be blessed with a son in the end. She was just giving because she knew he was a man of God. The only reason she gave was because she knew he was a man of God. You see, that also shows me that the woman's heart was pure. She had a pure motive. Our giving came out of a heart of purity. When your motive is this pure, God will be obligated to bless you. I said, when your motive is this pure, God will be obligated to bless you. Even the thing you have forgotten, God will bring it back to life. Praise God. You see now, because this woman has been giving to Elisha. Elisha was an anointed man of God. She perceived the anointing upon the man of God. And she said to herself first, I need to feed this man. But don't forget, this man carried the touch of heaven. Amen. Amen. And she began to feed the man of God. But of course, you know, the man of God also had a servant, Gehazi. So when the man of God was fed, Gehazi was fed. So this woman was not just taking care of Elisha. She was taking care of Elisha and Gehazi. Now it was not a big deal. Because she was rich. Providing for two extra mouths was not an issue. The only one she had really to provide for was her husband. Of course, they also had servants. Because in those days... When you are wealthy like this, you had many servants. When you started the life of Abraham, you would discover that Abraham had 318 servants. 318. The Bible says these servants were raised up in his house. 318. Sarah was a queen. 318 servants raised in the house of Abraham. Can someone say amen? amen? God told him, I'll make your name great. I'll make you very wealthy. So back in those days, if you are this wealthy, you had many servants. And this man and his wife had many servants. In your spare time, you can read the entire story and you will see that they had many servants. Amen. Amen. But her first responsibility was her husband. Is that correct? Not a big deal to feed the man. Not a big deal, a big deal to feed two extra mouths. But this woman decided to take her giving to a whole new level. She said to her husband, we have been feeding this man with food, but I want to build him a place to stay. Can someone say amen? amen. And so they decided to build the man of God a place to stay. So that when the man of God came through town, the man of God would not just eat and move on. The man of God will have a place to rest. Everyone said the woman took initiative. Say it again. She took initiative. See, it was the woman that took the initiative to do this. Notice, it was the woman. Elisha did not go begging 
men of God that understand the hand of God and the mandate of God upon their lives don't beg. As a man of God that understand the mandate of God upon their lives and understand that they've been sent by God, they don't beg nobody. It's a disgrace to go around begging people. God is your source. No man is. It's a shame. It's a disgrace. It's a letdown. When you go begging everybody. Men of God. With a mandate. Upon their lives. Do not beg. You walk by faith. You believe God. You call it in. And God will bring it in. You lose your place of respect. You lose your place when you begin to beg. And I know I'm talking to men of God and women of God. If you're here or you're watching by way of the internet, you watch this later. We don't beg. Come on now, say amen. amen. But I also want to say to you Christians, don't beg. You are a man of God too. You are a woman of God too. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding or your own way of doing things. In all your ways, acknowledge God and God will bring you to pass. Tell somebody, don't beg. You didn't say like you mean it. I said, tell somebody, don't beg. Trust in God. God will provide. I said God will provide. I said God will provide. Hallelujah. So Elisha was not going about begging. No, the woman initiated this act of giving. In actual fact, when you study the entire story, you will discover that this woman, from the very day she initiated this act of giving, she stuck with Elisha. She stuck with Elisha for many, many years. She did not just give one time. She just kept giving. And she gave for many years. When you read to the end of the story, the Bible says that when the son of the woman died, the woman took the son and placed him on the bed of the man of God. Now, so when I read that, something struck me. If she placed her son on the bed of the man of God, that means 14 years later, the man of God still had a house. Because don't forget, the Bible says the boy was a lad. But the boy was a lad. The lad is between the age of 12 and 14. Because when they took the boy to the mom, remember I said, my head, my head, my head. And the the father said to one of the servants, take the boy to the mother. And when they took the boy to the mom, the Bible says he sat on her laps till noon and died. Well, if you are 25, you wouldn't be sitting on the laps of your mom. (laughs) Correct? You big man sitting on the laps of your mom. You want to break her legs? (laughs) The boy was a lad. He sat on the mom's laps till noon and died. And the mom took the dead boy and placed him on the bed of Elisha. So the boy at this time was about 12 to 14 years old. Which means Elisha still had a relationship with that family. The woman was still partnering. The woman was still giving. 14 years later, she was still a giver to the same minister. To the same ministry. It never got old. Oh we've heard it before. Oh we gave it last week. Oh we gave last month. No, no, no. Listen. This woman kept giving. Never gave up giving. And that is the reason why. When the son died. When the devil came to take the boy. 
Because you see, the enemy will try to take that which God gave you. But you've got to understand, the same thing that brought that miracle is what will keep that miracle. Amen. The anointing brought that son. The anointing brought the boy back to life. Amen. See, this is where people miss it. There is no consistency in their relationships. Notice, like I said, Elisha was a man on a mission. Whether this woman gave partnered or not, God was going to provide. Correct? Oh my God. But you see, it is the woman that initiated that which brought the miracle she needed. Even though she had given up on having a son, God said that which is dead in your life I'm going to resurrect because of your act. Elisha had no need. Honestly, notice Elisha asked the woman, should I talk to the king on your behalf? So Elisha was connected. Should I talk to the military boss, general on your behalf? The woman said, I dwell among my people. I don't have need of any of those stuff. I am fine. Elisha was well connected. God had given Elisha a name. So this woman... What's the one in need? Come on now, say praise God. praise God. So she had to do something. And what she did was to initiate. But like I said earlier on, our giving was from a pure motive. She did not give with the intention of having a son. But that's what I'm saying to you. When your giving comes from a, from a pure motive... Even that, we, that which you didn't think you would possess, God will bring. Because it is giving like this that obligates God. It is giving like this that spills a memorial before God. It is giving like this that gets God's attention. And God says, okay, this person is giving like this. I am going to do something in their lives that will surprise them. I'm going to do something that will surprise everybody in their neighborhood. I'm going to do something that will surprise your family. And God was about to do something in the life of this woman. Now notice, what God was going to do in her life was also going to affect her husband. You see, what you do will affect those around you. I say, what you do will affect those around you. Now what is going to happen in this woman's life is going to affect... Her husband, notice it was not her husband's idea. It was a woman's idea. Praise God. I said, praise God. You know, you know I've, I've come to discover that a lot of times in a, in a relationship, husband and wife relationship, not all the time, most of the time, the other spouse that claimed to be innocent is complicit. Should I explain that? When the man is misbehaving or the woman is misbehaving or the man is not serious with God. I mean one. The one who claims to be right or the one who claims to be the saint. It's not. We, we had this couple many, 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 many years ago. And everyone thought the wife was the evil one. And the guy was the saint. See, your spouse cannot be in evil and you are, in most cases, I'm not saying all cases, in, in so many cases. You find out that the spouse is complicit, aware of what the spouse is doing. If your spouse is not serving God, there's something you do that will influence them to serve God. That's a fact. And sometimes if one is not serving God, you look, at, you look at the one who is serving God. In many cases, it's, it's pretense. 
publicly, they carry themselves like they are the best thing since sliced bread. But behind closed doors, I'm not saying in all cases, don't, don't, don't judge me now. I'm just telling you. That's what I've discovered. My wife is the problem. I don't think so. My husband is the problem. He does not love God. I don't think so. I think there's something you are doing. That's pushing him away. Okay, let's leave that subject. I'm no, I know somebody got the message. Because she has given into this anointing, this anointing is going to give back to her. Can, can someone say amen? I said, because she's giving into this anointing, this anointing is going to give back into her. You remember Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus called the 12 disciples? Listen carefully now. You can read it in your spare time, but Matthew chapter 10, read from verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he sent them and gave them authority to heal the sick, cast out devils. You remember that? And Jesus said to them, when you enter a house and you find somebody who is worthy or somebody who accommodates you or somebody who welcomes you, let your peace stay in that house. Correct? Now, watch this. He said, but if the person does not deserve your peace, take it back. And I read that. This, is, this has dawned on me for many years now. I, I, I realized this many years ago. I, I asked myself the question. Let my peace stay in that person's house. But if the person does not welcome me, let my peace come back to me. And the Lord said, there's something you carry. There's, some, there's something you carry. There's something on your life that people will draw from as they open up their lives to you. See, when they gave to the 12 disciples of Jesus, the peace upon them will come over this house. And what does that mean? That means what Elisha had was upon the disciples too. Because this woman was giving to Elisha, notice the, 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 this peace, this grace, this anointing that was upon Elisha could not rest. Something had to be done for this woman who had opened the door of a house to us. What must be done? What should I do? Elisha asked her. The woman said, no, you don't need to do what you've offered me. I am okay. The woman walks out of the house, yet this thing was still stirred up in Elisha. Elisha said to Gehazi, Gehazi, there's something that must be done. This thing is stirring in me. This woman is taking care of us all this time. We can't leave her without doing something for her. It was not Elisha. It was the grace. It was the thing that God had placed upon him. That's what Jesus said to them in Matthew 10. Let that thing come upon this family. Let it come upon this home. Let it come upon this house. But if the house does not deserve it because they do not cater for you, don't release it upon them. Take it back. What do you want me to do for you? No, nothing. I'm good. Gehazi, what does she need? Gehazi said, Master, 
You know, all this time we've been coming to this house. This is a man and his wife. There should be children here. Never heard the cry of a child. Ah, they need a child. Yes, they do. But you see, they've tried since they were married. And she, she couldn't get pregnant. It wasn't happening. Now, they're giving up on having children. Because the man is old. And so what to do? Forget it. Don't bother about it. But God says that which you can do nothing about. I'm going to do something about it. Amen. Call her again. Madam. Uh, the man of God wants to see you. Yeah, madam is a good thing. Madam, the man of God wants to see you. What for again? Just come. So she comes. She's standing. She's such a respectful, honorable woman. Notice, she didn't even go into the room of the man of God. Even though she gave it to him. She stood at the entrance of the door. She honored the man. She's standing here at the entrance of the door. Elisha, this time, did not ask her, Madam, what do you want me to do? Do you have a baby? I want to... No, Elisha declared the word of the Lord. By this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Where is that coming from? By this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Oh, man of God, don't say that. You don't know how much I have believed. You don't know how much I have tried. You don't know how I've seen doctors and it hasn't happened. Why are you touching this sensitive side of my life? The word has gone forth. I said the word has gone forth. Amen. I want to see this miracle as a miracle that happened independent of her. It was just based on the fact that she gave and the anointing was stirred up. Amen. Not because she was praying and asking. No, but because she gave and something was stirred up. Can someone shout praise the Lord? Praise 